0: Welcome to the Roswell Business Podcast. Today, we speak with John LeMay, learning about him, his businesses, and wise words to live by. Enjoy. Well, John... I certainly appreciate you being here with us today, a chance to uh, go behind the curtain and learn a little bit about you. Uh, For those of you listening, this is John LeMay. He's an author, writer, historian, uh, lives here in Roswell, does a lot for our community over the years. I've watched him and um, this is, a, uh, as always, anybody we have on, it's a special treat to be able to just hear about who they are and uh, where they're headed, their their business exploits, and then uh, stay through to the end because that's where we talk a lot about the tips and tricks and just wisdom that they have uh, in business leadership whatever those things that they want to talk on so uh, let's get let's get into that Um, tell us a little bit again John uh, who are you what makes you tick what uh, what's what's there
1: sure well I was born in Roswell my parents were born in Roswell one of my grandparents was born in Roswell and then the other ones are kind of from Fort Sumner in Colorado so I'm pretty local I've never left Roswell uh, I've never been one that I want to get away. I I actually like this town. I like uh, that it only takes about ten or twenty minutes to get across town. I can't imagine yeah. living in a big city where it takes you forty minutes to drive to the gym. You know, I'm I'm happy here. You know, so I I like Roswell, and I'm I'm glad to still be here.
0: So one of your uh, uh, key things you just pointed it out there, um, being able to have gym access yeah. is a huge <laughs> part of your life.
1: Yeah. Right, right now, it's about four minutes to the gym. That's pretty nice. Okay. Yeah, so
0: so let's talk about that. How, how frequently do you, uh, do you train? It, I already know a little bit of the answer, but yeah. I know a lot of people don't.
1: Well, I used to actually have to work. My dad and I owned a mobile home park, or my dad owned the mobile home park, I should say. And I would do a lot of push mowing and just physical labor, and I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted. But anymore, all I do is books now, so I sit and I write. So I, I have to go to the gym and get some movement in for... My mental stamina, because it'll drive yeah. me nuts to sit there all day, and it's just that way I don't get too overweight. I mean, Christmas hit kind of hard this year, but <laughs> I'm working on it, you know.
0: So uh, um, we'll sidetrack. We'll chase a little bunny trail here. Um, since that's been a serious part of your life, and I know uh, from in previous conversations with you, um, where do you rank uh, just health and living choices and things mm-hmm. like that in the value of your successes
1: well I, I feel like i'm a realist you know if i were to ever write a book on fitness it would be that you will never have the magazine cover body which is what everybody always promises i would say you can have a uh, a medium range of fitness that's you know good for a healthy normal life you know I yeah. mean to look like that you have to do that every day and it's basically your full job so um yeah, I mean,
0: I'm not. Why is it important to you?
1: I I don't like to. Hmm. If I feel overweight, it actually makes me antsy. Like I don't okay. like to sit there and just feel it. I like to to be at a in a certain weight range, or or it just bugs me. Okay. You know, and I I think some people get the idea that because I lift weights, I'm obsessed with being big. It's not that. It's the more weights you lift, the more you can eat and get away with it. Okay. I mean, really, I'd I'd be happy with just a nice trim physique, but um, I've I've found for me personally, it's easier that the more muscle you have, the more you can eat and get away with it. So okay. it's, it's not like a size thing. It's yeah. more of just this. This is the easiest way for me to live, and I think that cardio is really, really boring. Okay. That's hard for me. Yeah,
0: that that that's your uh, stopping yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, I, I love the phrase that you just presented. Uh, I like to eat. Yeah, so I'm going to train hard so I can Who eat doesn't? more. Yeah, Who doesn't like that, eat? that's nice. Yeah. So uh, let's go back. You said that uh, Roswell has been a huge part of that. You made a statement. Uh, you really like Roswell. Um, uh, it's refreshing to hear that. A lot of people that grow up and come from small towns, you usually have the polar opposites. Yeah. You have those that love it and those that hate it. So what, what is it that you love? What's, what's the charm that uh, speaks to you?
1: I'm sure part of it is I just don't know any better because I've never lived anywhere else, but okay. I have visited other places, and I have to say, I've, and seeing what they have to offer, I like just the reliability of Roswell. I know what to expect. And again, it's not a big, overwhelming town. I like that. Um, at this point, you know, I've gotten really entrenched in Roswell's history, And I would wager that Roswell has a more interesting history than just about anywhere. I mean, where else do you have an alien crash? You've got Billy the Kid. You've got Robert H. Goddard. So many different facets of history in one place. I think it's pretty unusual. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for instance, I went to Salem, Massachusetts uh, this past fall. And, you know, their, their whole thing is the witch trials and their shipping yards. And, I mean, that's about it. Okay. You know, and I, and I, we're the same thing. We're known predominantly for the aliens. But if you stick around, you'll find there's a lot more to look into here.
0: Nice. So um, we'll, we'll transition into that. You Nice segue there. Um, you've spent a lot of your life really focused on uh, the local history mm-hmm. and the lore, both facts and fiction and all of that and how it all ties together and all that. Um, What is it that interests you into that? Why why is this such a passion?
1: Well, when I was a kid, I liked to write. I would write my own picture books and draw the illustrations and then I kind of grew out of that for a while. And school, unfortunately, I think makes it to where kids hate to write because you're forced to write. A paper on something that you're just not interested in or or whatever. And kids get to where they hate writing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you mentioned Kate Davis earlier. Kate was my English teacher at college at at EMUR. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Yeah, and Kate let me, or she let everybody choose a big research topic. She didn't tell us you have to write a paper on this. She let us pick something that interested us. And I I picked the really off-the-wall topic of remnant dinosaurs like the Loch Ness Monster. And stuff like that. And I wrote a big, huge report on it, and I loved it. I had so much fun because I could finally write about something that interested me. So uh, I do attribute a some of my, uh, my renewal and the interest of writing to Kate because wow. I, I had so much fun in her class. And then I think the fact that I had fun writing it showed because I got a really good grade on the paper, and that encouraged me. And so I, I discovered that I would like to write kind of as a little hobby part of the time. And I, I found a, a website online called My Strange New Mexico, where a guy would write about just odd New Mexico lore. And I would send him little emails and odd tidbits of history that I knew. And that led to him asking me to write the Roswell portion of his website. Okay. And that then led to uh, my first book, which was the Arcadia Images of Amer- America Roswell book.
0: Okay what does that mean to the those of us that don't understand the word arcadia
1: sure so arcadia um, so this is what's really funny about arcadia is people will say oh did you write a book about wherever they're from because i've seen a book and it's got a cover just like this and they sometimes think i wrote it and i said no it's that's just a series so arcadia specializes in vintage uh, photo histories of uh, they, they just get authors to write a very basic history of their town or a certain place okay And you just get as many vintage photographs as you constantly, as you possibly can. And, you know, the people don't really buy that book because I wrote it. They buy it because they like the pictures. You know, and so Arcadia knows, I mean, that's probably why they took a chance on someone who had never written a book before. They knew the pictures are going to sell this book. It really doesn't matter how well he can write. And if he can't write, we can edit it. You know, I think that's kind of their mindset. So they're a, a great way to break into that business because they're very easy, and, and Arcadia knows their racket. They, they do it very well, and they're okay. very successful. So yeah, all across America, if you see these books with these sepia-tinted covers, that's probably an Arcadia book. Got it.
0: So you, you started out with that. Did you have some decent attention because of that?
1: Yes. Um, I went to the Historical Society. That's how I became involved with them. You know, I'd never really went there very often aside from the fourth grade school tours when I was a kid. That was probably the last time I'd been there. And uh, they were very gracious there. Roger Burnett was very gracious. Elvis Fleming was very gracious in helping me. Because the truth of the matter is, if Arcadia knew better, they would have asked Elvis Fleming to write their book, and he probably would have. Interesting. But it's a case of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And, and my friend that I was talking about who ran the New Mexico website, he wrote a book for them on the Sandia Mountains because he's from Albuquerque. And he just knew that they wanted someone to do Roswell. And so he just pointed them to me. And it was funny because I really didn't know Roswell's history at the time. I didn't even know why they called Lee Street, Lee Street. Okay. You know, that's how bad it was. And uh, I went to Elvis and the the archives and he helped me scan the photos and pointed me in the right direction of what to look at to learn. And um, so he was very gracious, you know, very... Um, very humble man, you know, he's not an egotistical, territorial, this is mine, you can't write about that. Yeah. You know, he was very generous, you know.
0: So. Yeah, um, for those that watching that may not know, I didn't know a lot of that history mm-hmm. either, and there's, and there's a lot of, even though I grew up here, that I'm still missing, but I had the privilege of working on a short film for you guys at the Historical Society a while back, and we, had, we got the honor mm-hmm. to film Elvis, yeah. uh, who's passed away now but uh being able to hear some of that and that was my first introduction mm-hmm. too and how cool that you okay. got to work closely with him
1: yeah yep.
0: so so you did uh, uh what what all did you do for this historical society i know that you kind of you, you referenced that you spent some time with mm-hmm. elvis but you did some some decent work for them too
1: what ended up happening is the first book i actually paid for the images because uh, you know you don't you don't get images for free. That's how archives run. Is you pay for the images, and um, I wanted to do a second book so bad, uh, but I didn't want to pay for the images again. I mean, it it was a good investment. I got a big return, you okay. know. So it's not like it it hurt me financially. I I did see a return on that, but I wanted to do another one. But I was like, gosh, I don't know if this one will sell as well because um, it was going to be on the county, which is not as recognizable as Roswell, the town so i went to the historical society board and i asked them can we do a royalty split i get half the royalties you get half the royalties you know and i write the book and do all the work and they said yes so that was my introduction to the board and uh elvis by then had gotten to know me well enough that he didn't babysit me so to speak he just let me go into the archives and do my own thing and i was i wouldn't call myself a volunteer at that point I, if someone needed help and I knew how to help them, I would help them. But predominantly, I was in the archive one day a week to, to work on my Chavis County book. But I learned a lot about the archives in the process.
0: That's pretty cool that yeah. he honored you like that, to give yeah. you that respect. And
1: Yeah, he, like I said, he's a very, uh, you know, very humble, uh, like again, not territorial, you know, very, very nice man. And somehow, you know, that, that kind of got to the board and somebody nominated me to be on the board of directors. And I was very honored, but I also wasn't naive. I knew it It probably wasn't just because I wrote books. It was because they knew I was young and I could help them move things. And that's important. You know, that's sure. really, really important <laughs> with a museum is moving stuff around and getting right. people you can trust not to break it. And so that's how I ended up getting on the, the board of directors. Okay. And I've uh, been on there off and on just because... Thank God they have it in the bylaws. You have to take a break if you serve so nice. many terms, which is really nice. I yeah. mean, because no matter how much you love it, you do need a break eventually. So yeah, off and on for the past 10 years, I've been hanging around the wow. historical museum.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. That's really cool. So how many uh, how many books do you have out now? And by the way, I want you to reference not just about Roswell. Mm-hmm. You've got some other mm-hmm. things that are sitting out there too.
1: Yeah, I, I I have about three different genres, I guess, or subjects I write about um i was 22 when i wrote the roswell book i'm 34 now and at some point this year i'll publish my 20th book wow so that's wow. that's how many i've gotten done Uh but not all of them are big huge books you know again the arcadias are photo histories and some of them are fairly short and then some of them are really really lengthy and have a hefty page count but what actually brings me in the bulk of my income is totally unrelated to roswell uh, when I was a kid, I really liked to watch Godzilla movies. Yeah, and I never got out of that. You know, it's, I think we all did. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has a thing that they're into. Like, like you and I both know, Jared. Olive. he's into Batman. That's his right, thing. Right. You know, there's certain things from your childhood you don't ever let go of. You keep on collecting them. And for me, that was Godzilla. And uh, I had written a, a book for a publisher. I, I had my eye on this particular publisher, and I tailored the book I wrote to to what they would publish. And it's funny, I sent it off to him and I never got a response. And I let it sit for a few years and I finally decided to just self-publish it. Oh, wow. And I didn't want to self-publish, you know, because I'd already, I'd already worked with a publisher and I'd kind of gotten spoiled. And I, I just didn't want to self-publish it. But I thought, well, I'll, uh, I'll self-publish it as an ebook just to get it out there and see what happens. And uh, I was so dumb when I was setting it up. I didn't even realize until I was midway through that I was setting up the print book. Because I wasn't even going to do a print book. I didn't okay. even think there was a point. I thought I'd, I'll just do an ebook, and you know, it's just the irony of life. Um, the print book that I made of that is just a guide and review book to the Godzilla and Japanese monster movies, that sold incredibly well for me. Wow. And the ebook sells probably half of what the print book sold. So how I mean, cool for is that? Pe- yeah, people say it's all the ebooks now. It's really not, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. I get the bulk of my royalties from from print copies, but yeah, so the book that I thought would do the least for me did the most. So I did another and another and.
0: So uh, let's talk a little bit about that specific book. Uh, first of all, make sure you mention the title, so the listeners that yeah. might be interested, uh, the geeks like myself that enjoy all that. But um, also, uh, what's what's the subject to it? I know you hit the mm-hmm. quick touch, but obviously, it's it's ringing a bell with uh, followers.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's a. A decent amount of books just on Godzilla, but there's other Japanese monsters besides Godzilla. So that was what kind of set my review book apart, was I okay. I covered all of them, not just Godzilla. Because there's one that's really out there called Gamera, which is the uh-huh. turtle who can fly and just yeah, crazy yeah. stuff like that, and Ultraman. Uh, and what really became a hit was... Uh, so typically, how I, how I come up with my books is I write a book that I want to read that doesn't exist yet. Okay and what i wanted was a book on the unmade uh, godzilla movies that they wrote and then they never made it to the point that they were shot they were Interesting.
0: banning. okay
1: and uh a lot of other people wanted that book too and i you know i'm the type i wanted the experts to write that book cuz i wanted to read it and i think i even pitched it to one of them and they weren't really interested and i finally decided well i may not do a very good job of it but i'll just do it myself and i yeah. did and that's the book that just really really sells like crazy how crazy is More that so than just, the guidebook, just a yeah.
0: passion project that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you wanted to read yeah how cool is that yeah
1: and it's the same with uh my most i mean predominantly we're probably going to have roswell people listening to this so i'll round it back to my next roswell-centric book same thing uh whenever i would research billy the kid i would come across a man named ash upson and he was he was uh, the quintessential drunken journalist who traveled west from the east okay and had he he was just your typical crazy wacky sidekick and he had a lot of funny adventures just because frankly he was a drunk and he was or maybe I should call him a lush maybe okay. not a drunk I'll call him a lush and he just had this crazy crazy life and i was thinking wow i i want to read the Ash some books so i started looking for it because i just took it for granted somebody had to write about him he's so interesting. And then it turned out nobody did. So wow. I wrote that book about four years ago now and UNM press picked it up just recently. And it'll supposedly, if we get done editing it, come out next spring. So wow. 2021.
0: So you're not uh this is something I like about you. Every time I talk to you, you're a doer, you've got stuff in mm-hmm. the works uh, you've got previous things, uh, You travel to uh, cons and other things like that in order to promote your, uh, especially your Godzilla stuff. I know that that goes over well, but there is a decent amount of Billy the kid people Mm -hmm. around the world, which is rather amazing. And most people don't know a lot of the history. It wasn't until I actually was exploring some of that with you years ago that I learned some of the things of how he was so related to Roswell too, Mm -hmm. which was pretty neat
1: what I love to tell the tourists that always blows their mind is that the man who killed Pat Garrett is related to the man who found the UFO debris. That is so cool. Yeah.
0: yeah that's, uh, uh, history is one of those things that, uh, is, is not only valuable, but it just really is interesting to see how all these things run together. And I think we can learn a lot from it. Um, what have been, uh, on that subject, what have been some of the things as you were digging through all this that, that you learned about life or just mm. that you thought was interesting? Because you know when we study other people's lives, mm-hmm. there's, some, there's some cool things that come to, come to
1: light. Well, I used to think it was kind of silly when they said they teach us history so that history doesn't repeat itself, but history constantly does repeat itself no matter how much we teach kids history. I mean, you were talking about learning lessons about life, I've served on three different boards now in the past 10 years. I would say I've learned the most about life through the different organizations I've served with or served okay. on. More than the history I read, to, to be honest. I, I really got nothing on learning life lessons from Ash Upson, to be honest. Um, okay, But, yeah, I would say yeah, indirectly becoming involved with those different organizations. Definitely learned a lot about life and and leadership and things like that.
0: Okay. Anything you want to share?
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know I'm putting you on the spot right there.
1: Well, you touched on something I liked earlier. You said, I'm a doer, and I thank you. That's an honor. This is one of my pet peeves that I've seen in organizations is you've got people who they want to put their idea out there, but they don't want to work at it. They want you to do it. Yeah. I'm giving you my idea. You do it. Right. And the only time that's ever okay is if they're physically incapable of doing it. Like they're so elderly that they can't they yeah. can't do it. That's fine, but like if you are able-bodied, don't give me your idea and expect me to do it. I or the rest of us, you know, if that's your idea, you need to work at that. Wow. Or you need to do it. That's that's a big pet peeve that I have with just different people I've I've observed in these organizations. So
0: how do you or or I maybe I should put it like this. What ways have you learned in helping someone through that uh, and or getting them to just be quiet (laughs) if they're not willing to to step up? You know, because I I know this all of us that are business owners, leaders in the community, managers, whatever, uh, we face that on a regular basis.
1: Okay, so I'm going to preface this again with I've been on three different boards. so You don't really know what I'm talking about or who. Sure.
0: Yeah, we, we don't need to play the sure. gossip game. Yeah. I'm just yeah. looking for tools that can help. Yeah.
1: yeah, so this is probably the biggest lesson I've learned is being a nice guy in the moment isn't always being a nice guy in the long run. Okay. So let's say someone that's a part of your organization has either, maybe they have a bad idea. It's not such a bad idea that you're all going to veto it because it's going to bring financial ruin upon you. Of course you're going to veto that. But like let's say it's just kind of a bad idea, but you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to insult them. So you kind of let their bad idea pass through just so you don't hurt their feelings. And it turns out it was a bad idea. And you do have kind of a cleanup because of that and some drama because of that. And what I'm trying to say is it's not fun to be the bad guy and say no, but if you don't, sometimes you're going to pay the price for that. Wow. Okay. And what's even worse, I would say, are just bad personalities let's say someone nominates their friend to be on the board and deep down, you know, they're probably not a good idea. And I'll say something else. You know, we all have friends that we only see their good side. Wow. Okay. You know, I mean, you might yeah. be unaware that your friend has a bad side or you just overlook it cause they don't show you their bad side. But I mean, yeah. sometimes, you know, someone gets nominated to replace someone else who's leaving and like, you know, that's not a good idea. But, I say, if I speak out, I'm going to rock the boat. I'm going to make so-and-so feel bad. I don't want their friend here, but boy, howdy. I mean, some people you let them on, it's just, it's bad news. And it's, it, it's not bad in the beginning, but you know how they say people, you give them an inch, they take a while. It just gets worse and worse as time goes on. And before you know it, you have a, a big, big mess. And then they will also nominate their friends to come into your organization. And again, nobody wants to say no, and you. So I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. It's it's no fun to be the bad guy and say no, but it's probably less hurtful for other people in the organization if you just speak up.
0: So if I'm hearing you right, uh, and obviously this would apply to hiring and staff mm-hmm. people and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, be swift with your decision, yeah. and if you f- have it in your gut, listen to your gut. Mm-hmm. Don't goof that up.
1: Yeah, and ask around. I mean, talk to people you trust. Maybe it won't get around that you've been asking about a person, but do your homework and actually, yeah. what, what's the process called? Vetting them or venting them? It vet, vetting. Vetting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vet vet the people that are being nominated and just kind of ask, well, what, what kind of a person are they? Do they like to rock the boat? Are they, are they team players? What are they? Right. You know? So
0: you've seen uh, both sides of that then. Mm-hmm. You've seen it where you, because uh, I know you've been uh, president of mm-hmm. at least one of these boards, yeah. um, where you allowed something thinking it was being kind, but mm-hmm. it bit you in the butt later. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but then the other side where you move quickly and it saved.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I'd like to talk about, I, w- I will use names now cause it's all good things. Uh, okay. our current board president for the historical museum is Jane Anglin, yeah. you know, former superintendent of the schools. And it's hilarious because your best leaders, they usually don't want to be the leader because they know how much work it's going to be. Number one, and two, they've been there, they've done that. It doesn't yeah. do anything for their ego. Like right. I can tell you, being president of the historical society board for Jane Anglin, that's nothing. You know, yeah. what I mean, it's she is there solely to serve the organization. It does nothing for her ego, and she was very reluctant to do it. You know, I'm, I hope she doesn't mind me saying that, but you know, she's busy. She's got things right. to do but she was the perfect person for yeah, the job. she's another and she, big doer in our community Yep, too. she's a doer. Yep. Um, and again, she doesn't do it for her ego. She does it to help. And um, that's the other unfortunate thing sometimes is people who wanna be there so bad, they want that title, they want that title for them. They don't want that to help the organization. So yeah. that's just another sad irony of life is that the people who really don't want it a lot of times are the best ones for the job.
0: Well, that makes sense because I've lived long enough, uh, just a few years ahead of you, but uh, not not your elder by any means. But I've I've done enough business to know that there's a lot of things you just, you know what? I'd rather not have to deal with that again. Yeah. Um, and that's good wisdom, good insight. Um, what, other, what other things have you picked up uh, since you've been able to sit around? The privilege of what you've had with the boards you've been on is... Uh, you've had people from all walks of life mm-hmm. um all ages all that kind of stuff i'm sure you've picked up uh, some pretty cool things you you said that one of your big passions is leadership studies mm-hmm. and things like that so let's let's talk on that obviously that would spring from a lot of those experiences
1: mm-hmm. as you've mentioned so i think another really important thing that i've observed is uh <clears throat> don't be a martyr within or, an organization like don't give so much of yourself that you can't give anymore and you're burnt out because then you're just useless. Okay. And also giving too much of yourself whether that's to a, an organization or a person, you can also become resentful of it. You know, I don't I don't want to give so much of my time to the museum that I get to where I hate it and I resent right. it. You know, I think that's important. Um,
0: so uh, is that coming from things that you've observed or that you've experienced yourself?
1: Uh, I'd say observed and okay. I, you know, I'm careful of And uh, then there's other people who this is the worst thing. They like to be a martyr. They want to say, oh, I give all my time. I have no time to myself. I'm so miserable. And it's like, if you really hated it, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. And you know it. And I, I really hate the fake martyrs who just act right. like they hate it, but they're they're there 24-7. So obviously they like it. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's the ones that are uh, just desperate for attention, huh?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Um, Let's see here, uh, what other uh, leadership things, because uh, I know that that's, you were also a part of uh, uh, several things in our city related to, to leadership over the years, and so I know that that's a, that's a passion of
1: yours. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, leadership Roswell was fun, you know, that's, okay. a, that's a great experience. Um, no matter how wise you are, I mean, you you could go through that class and not learn much, but you'll be guaranteed to learn something. And I, again, I was talking about if you're really old and really wise and think you you just you've learned all there is to learn, I still think you can probably learn some good nuggets from Leadership Roles One. If you're young like me, you'll learn a lot from it, you know. Yeah. And um, it's not just uh, the leadership talks; it's just you get to see how different businesses here in town work you get to see behind the scenes at Leprino or Fletzi and just stuff that you wouldn't normally get to see. So it's a really neat experience.
0: Nice. Um, I'm going to divert for just a moment. Since you travel and go to cons and Mm -hmm. things like that, there's a unique set of subculture of America that shows up at these things. Got any cool stories? I know I'm putting you on the spot i don't mind
1: being on the spot gosh the problem with me is i have trouble with my my recall in my brain anymore okay i probably do have cool stories we might have to circle back if i can think of any but uh nothing
0: what about people you've seen or met or um odd characters that came through that
1: yeah definitely odd characters but i wouldn't i don't think i'd tell any of those stories okay all
0: right well i thought i'd give it a try because uh, that's always always fun. Uh, depending on what we work in, sometimes we meet uh, yeah. unique individuals.
1: Something great will come to me after I leave, and I'll remember. <laughs> just, this, okay, this is one thing that I do. I didn't think about when you've written this many books, and I'm not trying to be like, "Whoa, it's me," and it's so awful. It's just I didn't realize how much of my hard drive space on my brain that would take up. You know, again, that's 20 books. It's my recall is just bad for interviews sometimes. And what's really bad is if I'm doing a a radio interview on a specific book. So when that book comes out, okay, well, like recently I did a show that's kind of similar to Coast to Coast AM. Okay. Because last summer I wrote a book uh, about UFO sightings in the Old West. Yeah. Yeah, I I never get bored. I have like probably five different projects open. Well,
0: that was going to be my next question. Um, And so perfect. Uh, Let's talk about that anything that you can share about what's oh, coming?
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't really keep any of my projects secret unless somebody asks me to and I'm collaborating with somebody else. But uh, my my other genre I get into is like cryptozoology, which is like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. Okay. And uh, I found that a lot of the old historical articles from the 1800s, uh, they have reports of things that are like Bigfoot or that, they you know, they talk huh. about lake monsters they saw and so I've I've been collecting a bunch of those older articles and just writing commentary about them, you know, like, what are the pros and cons of this story being real or being a hoax? Because that's the really hard thing about uh, the golden age newspaper writers is they were instructed by their editors every once in a while to just make up a crazy, crazy story. And you really can't tell sometimes what's made up and what isn't. And so that, you know, it's kind of like being a cold case detective and just Uh, Trying to figure out if the witnesses in the story were real or, and just, you know, what are the odds that the story actually happened? But so I'm doing quite a few of those. Um, Wow. The latest one is called Cowboys and Saurians, which is an antiquated term for dinosaurs. Okay. And it's all about newspaper reports where people claim that they saw dinosaurs back in the Old West. The the most famous one is outside of Tombstone, Arizona. Two cowboys claim they shot a pterodactyl back in 1890. Interesting. And, you know, and then there's also, in addition to the weird creatures, there's UFOs in the Old West. And I, I do those with uh, my co-author, Noe Torres, who's from Edinburgh, Texas. He's a, like a professional ufologist or UFOologist. That's what a ufologist is. Yeah. And uh, so I do those with him. We've got a whole series of those. So I, I have a bunch of those that I can work on if I'm bored working on my Godzilla books or, or on my Roswell books. So, again, you know, I've got those three different genres. That's really cool. And I just bounce back and forth. You know, if I don't have a deadline, I'm going to work on whatever I'm excited about at the moment.
0: Very much fun. So let's talk about being an author and uh, what do you do to uh, get your headspace that you need in order to yeah. be able to really take what's mm-hmm. been floating around up here and put it into into paper? Because I know a lot of people um, out there uh, not just intrigued by that but uh, there there's even going to be listeners that have attempted to do uh, articles even just simple articles and things yeah. and they never can really get that that process what's your process
1: so I think first of all it's probably more fun to be a fiction writer but it's probably also more challenging to write fiction you know, I'm I'm writing nonfiction. So I just look at the facts and I regurgitate them and write and present them in the way that I want to present them. Okay. So it's not too hard for me to get in a good headspace, so to speak. Um, I do think if you write fiction, though, especially like first person narrative fiction, I think that's kind of like being an actor with words because you're, yeah. you're playing a character. So I can definitely see needing to be in the right headspace for that. But for me, just so long as uh, I feel good and my, my brain's active and I've had a little bit of caffeine, I'm, I'm usually good to go. So,
0: <laughs> so what, what is rest to you? What, what do you do? What, what, what speaks to your soul and gives you that, you know, that good place? Because uh, obviously you do great work. People are fans of it. They like it. Um, you've, you're very even-keeled. You're very careful. Oh, you're, you're not crazy over the top on things yet. I know you have great passion for what you do um you know so many of us we talk about all the mechanics of things but i feel like a lot of times we miss is talking about what do we do so that we're good here so that we can do our other stuff yeah
1: well like i said i never get bored and we're all different i used to think my grandfather was crazy because my my grandfather liked to work that was his hobby nice going to work was his hobby he would go to work on saturday and he'd go to work on sunday if you would let him nice he liked to work and uh i I don't want to, you know, his type of work was running the mobile home park that we owned for so many years. That yeah. was just what he enjoyed. Um, and I'm kind of the same way, except for my work is books and creating. So as long as I haven't worn my brain out, writing books is what I you like to do. You find
0: your happy place in doing mm-hmm. what you enjoy. I do. I do. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess part of the, the, uh, the success of it is that you already enjoy the writing too. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, I love your story about how you kind of stumbled into it, not even realizing that that's where you wanted to go.
1: Well, and I, I stumbled into the board president thing, too, because I it wasn't like, oh, John is such a great leader. We'll make him president. This is what really happened. I think they thought it was cute that I was the youngest one there and nobody wanted to be vice president at our you know annual end of the year meeting. And one of the ladies was like, well, oh, let's make John vice president. And really, as vice president, you don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's the easiest position you can have. I think they just thought it'd be fun to give me a title. Well, our, our <coughs> president me. endured a, a bad personal tragedy, and they had to step down. And I had to be president. Wow. You know? So it wasn't necessarily like I got elected. Um, but at the same time, nobody else wanted to step up and do it either. So Because I, I did. I was like, hey, you guys are all older than me. Do one of y'all want to be president? And they're like, right. no. <laughs> so that's how that happened, and but I guess I wasn't too bad because they they reelected me, and then uh, I think I served as many terms as you can serve legally as president. And then I had to take a break, and then they elected me again. So I, you know. So tell
0: me this: you touched on this. I want to go there a little bit further. How much do you consider work ethic a value as uh, as part of your success? Because uh, you you touched that just a little bit mm. because of your example with your grandfather. Yeah.
1: Well, it's like they say, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. And actually, though, back when I used to actually do real labor, I actually enjoyed that job. Um, what it amounted to is my, my grandfather passed away. So it was eventually to where it was just me and my dad running this entire business ourselves, which was really too much for two people. Um, and thank God somebody came along and they bought it. But I mean, I, I enjoyed the work I did there pretty well. You know, it was just real basic stuff—trimming trees and mowing lawns—and I, I liked getting out and the physicality of it. But now I'm just ruined because all day long I do exactly what I want to do. And um, again, it wasn't always like this because the royalties off of one book is nothing. Yeah. But now I've got 20 books, and then because we sold the business, my dad was nice enough to let me buy a rent house. So I mean. I couldn't just write. That still wouldn't be enough to live on, but between okay. the rent house and the twenty books, it's enough. So, so I'm very blessed. How cool to, to be that
0: close, though, to make it a full time profession. That's that's pretty amazing, um, and it's really encouraging to other people that wanna yeah. wanna go out and achieve in
1: this. And that's kind of why I said it. I don't want anybody to think I actually live on my royalties, because I would feel like I would give them false expectations. You know, from what they can expect, it's just. Again, it's 20 books and then another income on the side. So,
0: when you do get to that point, we definitely need to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the thing.
1: Okay. So, with Stephen King, if you, you know, Stephen King, I believe, gets a dollar a book as well. Okay. But he sells a million copies, therefore, a million dollars. You know, I I get a dollar a book, but, you know, not anywhere near a million copies.
0: So if you like uh, those of you listening, if you really like John, uh, get his stuff out there, make him some more money. Yeah. yeah um, sure. Though uh, no, seriously, um, uh, so I don't forget. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of time left on this episode as we as we talk, and we'll explore some other things. But how do people get a chance to follow you? Uh, how do they find you online? What's what's the way to get a get in connection uh, to find your your books and your products and things like that?
1: I think just the easiest thing is uh, the Amazon author page. So if you just search John LeMay on Amazon, you'll eventually okay. find my author page and,
0: and spell Lemay for them. Anyway. Yes,
1: it's uh we say Lemay, but it really if you phonetically it probably should be Limay. It's L E M A Y. Okay. Yeah. So and it's uh and I'm a J O H N John.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: But That's I a, do I do have Facebook, but I, I have more of a personal Facebook and uh I have an Instagram. But i it's really just Amazon. That's
0: and what formats can people purchase? Obviously, you said that you've done well in print. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got some in ebook, or are they all? Or how do you have that set up?
1: I think about half of them are in ebook, but uh, I mean, if you want to kill two birds with one stone, you want to support me and support the historical museum, or or a local business. Doesn't have to be the museum, but. Uh, rather than ordering one of my books on Amazon that you know is here. In, I mean, if it's a Roswell book, it's going to be available in Roswell. Okay. The Godzilla books aren't going to be sold in Roswell, but Roswell books will be in Roswell. So, you know, go to the Historical Museum. If you see a book you like, get it from them. I think the Roswell Museum and Art Center has them sometimes. Uh, Fat Man's Beef Jerky started carrying them. There's certain titles. So, I mean, you know, if you would be supporting a local business and you'd be supporting me.
0: Okay. Nice. Do you do uh, guest appearances and stuff, you know, as an author, if if people wanted that? Or can they reach out to you and and, uh, bring you on to talk about the subjects that you're knowledgeable in and stuff like that?
1: The only thing I'm really able to talk at a fairly decent length about anymore is Roswell history because I regurgitated it so many times I can remember. I mean, if you asked me to do a presentation on the Cowboys and Aliens book again, gosh, I'd have to actually... Study that one again, you know. Um Did you tell them
0: just go watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> now see <laughs> I'm this kidding. Is... That that was that was <laughs> yeah, not a I good know. example, right? <laughs> now it seems
1: like I can talk, but you and I talk fairly often. So this is natural, this is easy. Yeah. Um I'm not really great at just getting in front of a crowd and just droning on for 20 minutes. That's really hard okay. for me. I don't like that. Um, I'm willing to talk for about 10 minutes, you know, for Sir Toma or or whoever invites okay. me, you know, I, I'll do that, but I don't like to do a real long lecture. Um, those are, those just aren't fun for me anymore, but this, I like, I enjoy this. But. So let's say,
0: uh, I, I didn't grow up in Roswell. I ran across the podcast because I'm curious mm-hmm. about all things Roswell. Uh, where should I start in finding your book series on the Roswell things? What, what would be the interesting path?
1: so the uh images of america roswell is basically roswell history in cliff note form with lots of pictures so that's just the easiest way that you could probably learn roswell history and there are certainly more in-depth books out there but i've i've learned i don't really retain the whole book that i read i just retain the high points so i mean my book that's a good book to start at because it's just the high points of our history and You know, if you want to go deeper into different subjects, I did one on uh, Billy the Kid, which was Tall Tales and Half-Truths of Billy the Kid. Um, I was tired of all the books on Billy that search for the truth because there's so many. So I thought it would be funny to just do the opposite. Nice. Do a book that's about every lie ever told about Billy the Kid. Interesting. Yeah. So I I, I don't like to regurgitate what someone else has already done if I can help it.
0: Okay. Thanks for allowing us to take a quick break. We had a light that was doing some funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you do production. Uh, there's all kinds of things that can, that can adjust and shape. But um, I did have a, a, uh, just an interesting question for our listeners. In all of your studies, can you give us two or three really neat tidbits about the history of Roswell that, uh, that, that's just really cool to know?
1: One thing that I picked up on, uh, you know, Pat Garrett, he's known pretty much exclusively for killing Billy the Kid, but he actually did a lot more. Um, He wasn't very well-liked, but he had some good ideas. Um, It was really Pat's idea to irrigate the Pecos Valley, which most people don't know, again, because they just know him as the man who shot Billy the Kid. And uh, Pat was really geared to be the hero of that situation, and uh, J.J. Hagerman, who was from, I believe, Colorado, he was a rich railroad magnate, Okay. He came in, took over the company, booted Pat Garrett out, and Hagerman gets all the credit, but Garrett got the ball rolling. I think wow. that's just an interesting thing that most people don't know. Uh, and Chavis, I remembered you yeah. telling
0: me before you go on to another deal, he's instrumental into the whole growth and success of uh-huh. what we live in today. Yeah,
1: and we were kind of talking about selfish egos earlier with titles and titles yeah. bolstering you. Well, here's a funny story. Chavis County was kind of created in a way to bolster Pat's ego. He... uh He wanted to be sheriff again, but if he was sheriff at that time period, he would have to be sheriff of all Lincoln County again, and it was huge. Okay. So he was talking to Captain Lee and John Chisholm. It's like, why don't we carve out our own little county here? Really. And then that was really his motivation was then I can get elected sheriff, and he actually lost uh, the election. Okay. Um, But I mean, that's just again kind of an example of egos. So Chavis
0: County was actually originally part of Lincoln.
1: Yes. And then to go into egos again, why we're named Chavez County is one of the territorial delegates, his name was Francisco Chavez, and they needed his vote. And I think that was part of flattery, if I remember right, uh, because really we should be Lee County because we had Captain Lee here and Lee okay. County was named for our Captain Lee, probably yeah. the same deal. He probably had a hand in that county or something and okay. they, they needed something for him. I'm not sure. I'm I'm kind of... I'm going off of my memory, which could be wrong, but Lee County is named after Captain Lee from Ross. Okay. So it's just funny how that works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, politics and things just never change, huh? (laughs) How funny. Well, um, tell me this before we wrap up uh, today. I really appreciate you and and, uh, giving us some insights to you as a writer and who you are, and and I thank you for celebrating our city the way you do. Um, it's, it's really cool. I've enjoyed it. I really have. What, uh, is there anything else when you were preparing to be on the show today that we didn't talk about or cover that you would enjoy talking on any, any subject?
1: Actually, no, we actually, you're, you're a good host. We hit everything I, I would like to talk about. So wonderful.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, tell us, uh, again, we go to Amazon mm-hmm. in order to buy uh, physical or digital copies yeah. or if you happen to be in the Roswell area or live here, yeah. you can get Roswell lore books at Historical Society and That's right. Okay.
1: Yeah, Historical Society has just about everything I've ever written outside of the Godzilla books. Yeah. Anything New Mexico related they've got. And uh, nice. like Fat Man's Beef Jerky has the new Cowboys and Aliens book and so does the museum and so forth.
0: Okay. Very awesome. Well Thank you so much. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's a pleasure to have you and uh, we'll look forward to next time then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you.
0: If you like today's program, subscribe to the format you are on, whether it be YouTube or a podcast channel. If you'd like to connect with me, go to DonovanFulkerson.com. It has details about myself, our companies, and how to connect. If you're following our social media, my personal pages, well, it's just that, has a lot of personal things, including spiritual content and details that uh, I find interesting to me. Our social accounts for our businesses obviously is that. There will be products and day-to-day activities and things that relate to those specific companies. Thank you for connecting. Please share and get the word.